We're gonna uh, the the topic that I decided mm-hmm. to talk to you about today, even though I've talked about somewhat in the past topics, mm-hmm. though how can you not talk about faith and any of these things, right? <laughs> um, is growing in faith through our journey with Christ. Um, and the reason I chose that topic was because I felt um, sometimes uh, we think about faith as it's just this gift from God, and like, oh, I just need to be infused with this faith, and everything will be great, right? And it's just this passive action. And really, faith is kind of a give and take in a relationship. Um, and it's not so much that we just sit there and it's like the matrix and we get infused with it and then we're good to go. Um, it, it's something of a journey. Um, and I want to start with what actually one of the um, gospel passages that I always uh, like reading, one of my favorite ones, which is um, uh, Mark chapter 5. Um, and we actually, I think it, we had it uh, recently, I think Matthew's version of it in, uh, as a Sunday gospel. But anyways, here we go. So when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him and he stayed close to the sea. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came forward. Seeing him, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, saying, My daughter is at the point of death. Please come lay your hands on her that she may get well and live. He went off with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed upon him. There was a woman afflicted with hemorrhage for twelve years. She had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors and had spent all she had. This is Mark's uh, comment against doctors. (laughs) 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 It's coming for him. Hear that, St. Luke? Um, Yet she was not helped, but only grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in a crowd and touched his cloak. She said, if I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured. Immediately her flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Jesus, aware of at once that power had gone out from him, turned around from the crowd and asked, who has touched my clothes? But his disciples said, you see how the crowd is pressing upon you and yet ask who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. The woman, realizing what happened to her, approached in fear and trembling. She fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. While he was still speaking, people from the synagogue official's house arrived and said, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the, ma- the teacher any longer? So we'll just stop there for a second. And put yourself as this father, Jairus. And you just had gone over to go ask Jesus to please heal your daughter before she died. And now I just got word, she's actually dead. What's kind of going through your mind right now? Totally doubting and hysterical, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? You, you yeah. think that there's I, an I, emptiness, I, that there's like a disbelief. Yeah, so remember, at this point, Jesus hasn't raised anyone from the dead. So right. there's no evidence for Jairus to think that there's anything else that Jesus could do at this right. moment. Um, mm-hmm. If I was Jairus, I'd be, I'd be mad. I'd be like, dang, that woman just screwed up. Everything got slowed down, this crowd. You know, I couldn't get, you know, mm-hmm. Jesus to uh, my daughter in time, you know, um, and, and there'd be, a, like you said, the big word doubt, um, maybe in your mind about that moment, okay? And real frustration for you, okay? And so let's continue, though, because we know that Jairus has a little bit different response, right? So, um, so disregarding the message that was reported Jesus said to the synagogue official, and take these words closely, 
Do not, uh, sorry, do not be afraid, just have faith. So let's hear that again. Do not be afraid, just have faith. He did not allow anyone to accompany him inside except Peter, James, John, and the brother, the brother James. When they arrived at the house of the synagogue official, he caught sight of a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. So he went in and said to them, Why is this commotion weeping? The child is not dead but asleep. And they ridiculed them. Then he put them all out. He took along the child's father and mother and those who were with him and entered the room where the child was. He took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kume, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And the girl, a child of twelve, arose immediately and walked around. At that they were utterly astounded. And he gave them strict orders that no one should know of this, and, to, that, and said that she should be given something to eat. So just, let's come back to that word again. Do not be afraid, just have faith. And so we see in Jairus's, this moment in Jairus's life, this journey with Christ. He's walking with Christ. Something comes along the way in this walk that puts a lot of doubt in his mind. That makes him, af- that would make any of us in Jairus's position afraid and scared and not wanting to continue on. And Jesus knows that. He doesn't just keep, let's, well, let's just keep walking. Like, don't worry, be happy. You know, he gives them this profound message. You know, do not be afraid which actually is one of the most quoted sayings in the Bible. In fact, someone, some people say it's said 365 times. So there's a saying that there's a, for every day of the year, there's a statement, do not be afraid, somewhere in the Bible for us to read, I guess. Um, and that's very important because we have to recognize that the journey of faith is not something that we do alone. It's something that Jesus accompanies with us and strengthens us. Um, and so there's that important fact that the journey of faith is something we grow in and the question is you know what is faith now in hebrews 11 when we get this great definition of faith it says you know now faith is the assurance of things uh hope for the evidence of things not seen so the important thing about faith is it's not like just a like a non-intellectual you know unreasonable hope in something it's something that we have evidence to suggest that we should believe right okay so faith uh is more than just like you know what sometimes what atheists want to think like oh you're just hoping in something you don't even know about right well no we have evidence to suggest that we should believe in it you know logical evidence from natural law um but you know divine revelation which i'll get into in a second and peter kreef a philosopher and uh, um, theologian talks about kind of these different aspects of faith one is having a trust um uh, in something, uh, and um, uh, two uh, is a belief. So trust is kind of more like an emotion, like okay, you like you trust your children to get something done for you, you know, and that's kind of emotional, even though you don't might have not factual evidence to believe that your child will make their bed. You're gonna like I'm gonna trust my child because I have an emotional attachment, even though. Evidence before says that this will not happen, right? So there's the trust aspect, the emotional aspect, and then there's the belief aspect, which is some, it relies on um, some amount of knowledge, okay? Um, and so, um, you know, faith is a ascent of the will through reason to place our trust in God, 
okay? And uh, Aquinas and the Baltimore Catechism can define it as faith. It's an act of the intellect prompted by the will by which we believe or trust the truth of all that God has revealed on the basis of authority of the one who has revealed it. So we believe because God has authority to be, since he is the source of all truth, he is therefore trustworthy and we should believe him. Okay? And the Christian faith, is a, there's a unique thing about the Christian faith. So it's not a personal revelation of some divine being like an angel or something to an individual who then tells everyone else about it, okay? Christ came not as, uh, hi, I'm a messenger from God and this is what God told me. He actually came claiming he was God, okay? And he witnessed himself to many people, okay? Right? Um, and so... Um, the, the beautiful thing is, is that Christ told the disciples that they were going to be witnesses of him unto the ends of the earth. Now, we know that the, uh, the apostles in particular did not get to the ends of the earth in their lifetime, right? But, you know, Christ wasn't lying about that because Christ knew that their message and their witness, most particularly the witness of their martyrdom, would be carried on. In fact, we have actual evidence of at least five or six of the apostles being martyred, although we all we know 11 of them were martyred and John got isolated on Patmos, okay? <laughs> Which is basically like a martyrdom. <laughs> um, you know, I'm sure that was not the hip place for travel back then. Um, you know, so, um, and this is what John in his first letter actually speaks to. Um, he says, to start out, John is like an amazing writer at this age, you know, just beautiful flowing words, which is why the Gospel of John is so beautiful. It's, it's not a historical take on things, it's a theological take. So his first letter, he starts out with, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we looked upon and touched with our hands concerns the word of life. For the life was made visible, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim it to the you the eternal life that was with the father and was made visible to us what we have seen and heard we proclaim now to you so that you too may have fellowship with us for our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ and we are writing this so that our joy may be complete okay so faith is something that's an intellectual ascent of our will to a trust in God's providence, okay, and the truth that God reveals, okay? Um, and I'm going to go to a, a journey of faith with another individual in Mark's gospel here that uh, kind of highlights, again, uh, uh, another uh, time when you have to trust, okay? So we get this um, story from Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And then they arrived in Bethesda, Bethesda they brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Putting spittle on his eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Do you see anything? Looking up, he replied, I see people looking like trees and walking. Then he laid his hands on his eyes a second time, and he saw clearly. His sight was restored and could see everything distinctly. Then he sent him home and said, Do not even go into the village. So let's step back for a second with the blind man. Let's remember that first part. <laughs> what do you see? 
I see people looking like trees and walking. <laughs> now, you know, if that was a doctor, he's like, I'm going to help you to see. And then, like, after the first surgery, like, uh, I did that wrong. <laughs> right? yeah. That didn't go well, uh, as it was planned. <laughs> right? So, look, the blind, Jesus had healed people, like, directly, completely of their infirmity, you know, many a times, I'm sure. Okay? And so this blind man, and the, that's the thing, he actually is, takes the blind man away from him. So there's already a beginning of the journey. Like, I'm not going to kill you in front of everyone here. I'm taking you aside, and we're going to go off just the two of us. Okay? Yeah. So already the blind man, who can't see anything, is going to have to trust this guy, Jesus. And I'm guessing he's maybe never met, maybe heard about. Yeah. But, you know, he doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Here, this guy supposedly can heal you. You know, and I mean, that's what everyone talks about at, uh, at one o'clock in the morning when you watch infomercials. <laughs> I can heal you. Yes, finally. <laughs> the guy at 1 a.m. knows what I need. <laughs> All you doctors otherwise have failed me. But the 1 a.m. guy has the answers. So this is, you know, this is unknown to him, and he's going to fall. And then he puts spittle, which is basically he makes some mud by spitting into the dirt and meshing around his hands and putting it on his eyes. Okay. I don't think that was the practice of most physicians <laughs> back then, uh, to put mud in people's eyes. So even a little bit more trusting, like, okay. And then takes it away. Well, I can actually see a little bit now. I guess that's a, an improvement. Right. Now, now I can actually tell where there's pe people. Uh, they kind of look like trees, which I'm amazed that he knows what trees look like exactly. But maybe he wasn't, <laughs> maybe he wasn't blind from birth. Yeah. Okay. Um, so... But again, not, the, not like the fullness he was expecting. And he had to go through this journey of healing. And that's what a lot of times we have to go through in our journeys, right? We're not ready for the whole healing aspect, right? We're not ready for the whole message of God, right? You know, I mean, that's not how someone should evangelize with someone, right? Like, hey, why don't you come with me and I'll get you baptized today and you'll be completely healed of all your sins and then you can receive communion and get confirmed. And, you know, no one gets signed up for the sacraments of initiation like they meet outside and they go inside and do it, right? There's this journey or this step-by process and the church is very smart about with the RCIA program, for instance, and you know, bringing us along that way. And so you know, we have to um, have that journey ourselves, okay? Um, and recognize that we're going to have the weaknesses. And that's not a problem for God. In fact, God likes us in our weakness, right? We're a little bit more malleable when we're weak. <laughs> we're a little bit stronger. Docile. We're not, so, we're not so malleable to his ways. Um, so in uh, Friends of God, a quote from Jose Maria in one of his books, Christ is Passing By, he says, We must learn to acquire the divine measure of things, never losing our supernatural outlook, and realizing that Jesus makes use also of our weakness to reveal his story. If we have faith in our Lord, in spite of our failings, or rather with our failings, we shall be faithful to our Father God. His divine power will uh, shine forth in us. Okay? And so, I want to go to another gospel reading. I have to look up this one because I forgot where it's located. So, um... But it's it's the story of uh, the disciples on the on the um, on uh, the uh, uh, on the boat on one of the seas and being rocked around. Okay, there's a couple of these stories, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and they're out there, 
I always like how they turn to the carpenter, the guys who are fishermen who know about boats, turn to the carpenter for help on the sea. <laughs> yeah. Same thing happened with Paul's story when he was going to Rome, and they, they were getting confused and lost, and they needed uh, um, help on the way as well. So, um, so then he made the disciples get into a boat and preceded him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once, Jesus spoke to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. They, those who were on the boat did him homage, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So let's take the moment. We're looking at the disciples. They're in this boat walking around. They see Jesus just nicely, easily walking on the water. Okay. Of course, they think it's a ghost. Because like, I don't know what to make of this instance. Okay. And Jesus, you know, gives that, you know, take courage, do not be afraid statement again that we need to always return to in our faith. And Peter, at least, we sometimes get on Peter's case, but Peter at least is like, okay, I'm going to do something about this, right? Yeah. You know, the other people are still too afraid sitting in the boat. And we can kind of see the boat as the image of our own strength and where we are in our lives, right? We have this man-made thing, and we're being rocked around in life, right? And it's out of control, and we can't control this thing, right? And meanwhile, you have someone who's standing there calmly on this crazy torrent sea, and nothing's affecting him. And maybe Peter recognized something, and Peter said, you know what? Somehow, it seems safer out on the water there with Jesus than it is in this boat here. <laughs> and he comes out, and he starts trusting in Jesus, and he starts walking on the water, and he starts realizing, wow, being with Jesus, being with our Lord, is safer than that boat, which is totally counterintuitive to think, right? Why should we think getting out of the boat is the smart thing to do, right? That's the safe place. I gotta stay in the safe place, in my little home, right? And Jesus is telling us to come out of our man-made, um, you know, things and our own abilities and strength and come out to him and rely on his strength. And that's what Peter initially does. Now, we get this important little note that Matthew says, you know, but when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened. And we're going to come along in our journey of life. And most of us, we have that first journey of faith. You know, maybe it was, uh, you know, growing up in our family or there was a event or, or whatever. And we start following Christ closer, right? And, you know, we're like, oh, this is great. All right. That doesn't mean we're not going to have difficulties along the way. In fact, we should expect the difficulties along the way, right, Mike? Yep. You know, the difficulties are going to come, right? And Jesus knows this. And this story of this difficulty coming along while Peter's trying to walk with Jesus in faith on the water is an important lesson for us that we're going to encounter ourselves. And that we have to keep on not being distracted by the fears or things around us. We need to, even more so, rely on Jesus. 
Um, and I'm just going to end with a little reflection on a story that doesn't seem to totally relate to this. But there's this story in Mark's Gospel about Jesus watching people putting money, you know, into the collection, and he sees the, you know, the the widow putting in her small couple cents or a couple coins, and then everyone putting out in these large sums. And you know, Jesus says, you know, she's given greatest because she gave from her poverty. And I was trying to reflect on that. I was like, well. You know, I don't think Jesus is necessarily wanting me to go down to the bank today, empty out my bank account, and drop all the money into uh, the, the church, as nice as that would seem. Um, you know, that wouldn't logically work for me, because I still have to pay bills and take care of my family. Uh, and, you know, at least for the widow, it's not like her social status or, or her ability to take care of herself greatly changed, right? The, the couple of coins... <laughs> you know, wasn't going to make a huge difference for her, you know, it's not like a, that's her fun for her. But what I noticed about that story that struck me was she gave in her poverty. And I was like, how can, you know, we need to think of the difference. These people were giving from their surplus. They were giving when it was convenient for them to give. And she gave in her weakness, in her poverty. And how can we learn from this story even if we're not going to give away all our money you know this very instant okay unless we're called to be like saint francis okay um and i realized that god is calling us to give in our weakness that's our poverty right is that we don't really have our own strength to follow god on our own to do what's right on our own to do anything i mean jesus said like without me you can do nothing right okay and so I realize when we rely on our when we rely on our own abilities, we give from we are, when we give from our own abilities, we rely on our own strength. When we give from our weaknesses, we rely on God's strength. All right, and so we have to embrace the weakness. Actually, so, you know, everyone talks about like the you know be strong, right? Okay. Well, Peter tried to be strong. <laughs> didn't work for him, right? Uh, Judas, in some degree, someone can actually claim he maybe tried to be strong. Didn't work for him, right? Um, You know, there's a lot of instances of being strong doesn't work, and it's going to fail, right? But in our own weaknesses and embracing that, and, you know, and think about it. I mean, Moses, like, God, I can't speak, you know? Right? No, I want you, right? You know? uh, I mean, and God chooses us at times that don't seem convenient, right? You're like, man, that's not a good time, God. Uh, can you get back to me? Let's go through a lot of stressful things right now. I'll answer that call when you like next year. And no, it keeps ringing, right? God keeps ringing the day. And that's what God wants. He doesn't want us to come with our own strength, with our own abilities to fulfill his plan. And he's like, you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. Peter was not able to walk on the water by himself, even though he tried. And then he saw how much that did not, <laughs> did not work for him, right? So, you know, we got to realize God is calling us to give in the inconvenient times, calling us to give when it seems silly, right? Let's think about God, you know, Jesus looking around at the 5,000, like, Hey, disciples, uh, can you feed all these people? What? 
And then you have this little boy come forward with like the, the five loaves and two fish. Like, I got five loaves and two fish, <laughs> right? <laughs> so Andrew's innocent. like, uh, no, that's okay, buddy. Yeah. Did you do the math? <laughs> that doesn't work out, right? <laughs> okay, I'll let Jesus know. By the way, this kid has some stuff, but that wouldn't even feed uh, Peter over here, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so God wants us to take what seems inconceivably not going to work our five loaves and two fishes and our weaknesses, and he wants us to give that. He wants the poor widow to give those two cents that will probably buy the synagogue or the temple nothing, really. I mean, you know, I don't know, maybe a little bit extra dye or something for the garments. I don't know. Wasn't going to do much, right? But that's what God wants. He wants us to give him that poverty. And we've seen that time and time again. I mean, if you really looked at Mother Teresa, right, you know, if you looked at really what she had, I mean, honestly, even though she became famous, she really had nothing. I mean, they had very, if you, I mean, this is what some of the people are critical over. They, like, would go to her home and, like, oh, man, these are terrible facilities. This is, why, you know, you could be doing so much more to raise money and have these wonderful, nice facilities. And, you know, God did not want Mother Teresa to work in this spanky, clean-looking, nice place he wanted Mother Teresa to work in whatever she could give and to give all she had, even though it seemed like little, because that was going to be uh, then from God. That wasn't going to be from humanity. It wasn't going to be from man's own works like the Tower of Babel. It was going to be from God's hand that these people were going to receive love through Mother Teresa. And that's the most honest, genuine goodness that we can give. And so... That's what we need to do is realize in our journey of faith, we're going to be asked by God to give ourselves. And it's going to be, God, I can't give this, or it's going to be, that's not going to be enough, or this seems like nothing. And we need to stop and realize that that's the moment God wants us to give because he knows that then he's going to be the one who's giving, not us, like the people who put in from what they could conveniently, but what they could give inconveniently and giving themselves all then he's the one who's going to give. And there's something going to be greater there than what just human materialistic hands can give. And so that's the journey of faith that we have to go along, that we have to trust as we go along, recognize that we're going to encounter our weaknesses, which is what God expects us. He's going to expect us that we're going to fall. He's going to expect that we're going to need to go to confession. He's going to expect that uh, we're not going to do his will perfectly all the time like Peter did. And remember even Peter at the end of his life. Do you guys know, remember, you know, Dominus Quo Vardis? You know, Lord, where are you going? So, you know, Peter was trying to escape the per persecution, leaving Rome, and then he encounters Jesus coming towards him. And he asked, Lord, where are you going? And he said, I'm going back to be crucified again with my people. And he's walking the other way. And that's when Peter realized, I need to stop, turn around, and goes back. And it's crucified. And there's actually a church in Rome that has this imprint of the footprint that Jesus supposedly left mm -hmm. of him walking back. So you can go see the Povardis footprints if you want that Jesus left. And <laughs> sorry, <laughs> um, it's just a reminder. I mean, Jesus was with Peter there never abandon him so God's never going to abandon us he's going to always be walking with us and he's expecting our weaknesses and he, 
going to use those. He's going to use those for his greater glory, you know. And so um, that's kind of what I had on the faith thing today. Yeah. Hopefully it was good. Yeah, so good. Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly what I needed today. <laughs> it's amazing how many parallels I just have seen today. Like as I'm driving here, I saw a blind man with his hand on somebody in front of him as he's walking and being led by his yeah. friend. And their first story, um, Arise, is actually the name of the summer camp that I'm helping with next year. Or oh. Next week. Next oh, week. Yeah. Yeah, so a friend of mine is starting it. So she hasn't mm-hmm. done this like little intimate thing before. So yeah, that's what she's calling it a ride. It's like, get up little girl, let's go. It's in it's for high school or girl high school girls. Yeah. So now my uh, yeah, my grandmother passed away last uh, Friday and I um oh, I actually had a a holy a holy card of a Madonna with child that I've been blessed by Pope Benedict. Oh my gosh. Uh, that's amazingly. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, I got this bag of stuff that this, this guy gave us at like a rosary club when I was at Creighton that was blessed by Pope Benedict. <laughs> and awesome. I was like, well, I'm just probably hold on to this. So yeah. I got this card and I had my like kids sign it and stuff like that. Me, and that's the word. Uh, <coughs> sorry, I'm also dry mouth. That's the word I left. I left that phrase on the card at the bottom like, until it took from me because I was oh, like, that's why I want my grandma to hear. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. And I put it in her casket. Yeah. So she died. Uh, they were they were in the midst of a rosary. My uncle and this uh, nun, this sister who was at the uh, hospice home, and they were actually in the midst of the uh, the uh, glor- second glorious mystery, which is the ascension. Oh and that's when she died. Wow. Wow. I was like. That's how grandma would want to die. <laughs> Saying the rosary. Pretty great. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I was here in Colorado, and I knew that I like I sent a message like, oh, you know, just you know, keep your phones on for any word. And then all of a sudden, it was like, it was around three, which was probably like ten or fifteen minutes after she had passed by. I didn't know her at that point, and then it just seemed all of a sudden sunnier in my house, and I just had that sense like grandma's telling me it's okay. Yeah. So. So if you need any help, ask uh, Audrey Jensen. <laughs> she's a she's a tough uh, tough German ornery lady. <laughs> she was. She's a great descriptor. She yeah. would not. I she love would. It. She would not. She never wanted to move out of Racine, even though my like dad and my uncle were like, why don't you move closer to us? So it's a little bit easier for us to get to you in case you know something happens. She never wanted to leave. <laughs> Something to be said for stability as we yes. celebrate Pope or Saint Benedict today. <laughs> His rule of yes. one of the rules stability. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Good. Thank you so much. Okay. Next, my unplanned.